0: Chapter six of Mrs. Bindle by Herbert Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Six: Mrs. Bindle Defends Her Home. One. Gospel Bells! Gospel Bells! mrs bindle accompanied her favourite hymn with bangs from the flat-iron as she strove to coax one of bindle's shirts to smoothness she invariably worked to the tune of gospel bells of the hymn itself she possessed two words gospel and bells but the tune was hers to the most insignificant semiquaver and an unlimited supply of hums did the rest Turning the shirt at the word gospel, she brought the iron down full in the middle of what, judging from the power she put into the stroke, might have been Bindle's back. "'Bells!' she sang with emphasis, and proceeded to trail off into the "'Hmmm's.' With Mrs. Bindle, singing reflected her mood. When indignation or anger gripped her soul, Gospel Bells was rendered with a vigor that penetrated to Mrs. Grimps and Mrs. Sawney then as her mood mellowed so would the tune soften almost dying away until possibly a stray thought of bindle brought about a crescendo passage capable of being developed into full forte brass wind and timpani after one of these full-throated passages the thought of her brother-in-law mr hearty mellowed the stream of melody passing through her thin slightly parted lips It had reached an almost caressing softness when a knock at the door caused her to stop suddenly. A moment later the iron was banged upon the rest, and she glanced down at her apron. To use her own phrase, she was the pink of neatness. Walking across the kitchen and along the short passage, she threw open the door with the air of one who was prepared to defend the sacred domestic hearth against all comers. "'I've come about the house, mum.' A mild-looking little man with a dirty collar and a deprecating manner stood before her, sucking nervously at a hollow tooth, the squeak of which his friends had learned to live down. "'The house?' repeated Mrs. Bindle aggressively. "'What house?' "'This house wants to let, ma'am,' the little man struggled to extract a newspaper from his pocket. "'I'd like to take it,' he added. "'Oh, you would, would you?' Mrs. Bindle eyed him with disfavour. "'Well, it's not to let!' And with that she banged the door in the little man's face, just as his pocket gave up the struggle and released a soiled copy of The Fulham Signal. He started back, the paper falling upon the tiled path that led from the gate to the front door. For nearly a minute he stood staring at the door, as if not quite realizing what had happened. Then, picking up the paper, he gazed at it with a puzzled expression, turned to a marked passage under the heading Houses to Let, and read house to let four-roomed house to let in fulham easy access to bus tram and train rent fifteen six a week immediate possession apply to occupier seven fenton street fulham West. he looked at the number on the door back at the paper and then once more at the number apparently satisfied that there was no mistake he knocked again a feeble half-hearted knock that testified to the tremors within him he had been graded c three but he possessed a wife who was physically a one it was the knowledge that she would demand an explanation if he failed to secure the house after which she had sent him hot foot that inspired him with sufficient courage to make a second attempt to interview mrs bindle with inward tremblings he waited for the door to open again as he stood hoping against hope in his coward heart that the summons had not been heard A big, heavily-hipped woman, in a dirty black-and-white fullered blouse, a draggled green skirt, and shapeless stays, slid through the gate and waddled up the path. "'So you got here first,' she gasped, her flushed face showing that she had been hurrying. "'Well, well, it can't be helped, I suppose. First come, first served. I always says it, and always shall.' The little man had swung round, and now stood blinking up at the new arrival, who entirely blocked his line of retreat knocked have you she inquired fanning her flushed face with a folded newspaper he nodded but his gaze was directed over her heaving shoulder at a man and woman with a little girl between them approaching from the opposite side of the way as the new arrivals entered the garden the stout woman explained that this gentleman had already knocked p'raps they ain't up yet suggested the man with the little girl well they ought to be said the stout woman with conviction another woman now joined the throng her turned-up sleeves and the man's tweed cap on her head kept in place by a long amber-headed hat-pin testifying to the limited time she had bestowed upon her toilette was it took she demanded of the woman with the little girl don't know was the reply she ain't opened the door yet she opened it once said the little man what's she say said it wasn't to let then banged it too in my face was the injured response here let me have a try cried the woman in the follard blouse as she grasped the knocker and proceeded to awaken the echoes of fenton street corporal street at one end and branson road at the other were included in the sound waves that emanated from the bindle's knocker several neighbours including mrs grimps and mrs sawney came to their doors and gazed at the collection of people that now entirely blocked the pathway of number seven three other women had joined the throng together with a rag and bone man in dilapidated clothing accompanied by a donkey and a cart A shame i calls it a keepin folks singin' about like this said one of the new arrivals p'raps it's let, said the rag and bone man well, why don't they say so snapped she with the tweed cap and hat-pin have another go missus suggested the man with the little girl i'm losin half a day over this inspired by this advice the big woman reached forward to seize the knocker at that moment the door was wrenched open and mrs bindle appeared she had removed her apron and brushed her thin sandy hair which was drawn back from her sharp hatchet-like face so that not a hair wantoned from the restraining influence of the knot behind grim with indrawn lips and the light of battle in her eyes she glared first at the little man with whom she had already held parley then at the woman in the fullard blouse at chapel there was no more meek and docile daughter of the lord than mrs bindle to her religion was an ever-ready help and sustenance but there was something in her life that bulked even larger than her faith although she would have been the first to deny it that thing was her home in keeping the domestic temple of her hearth as she conceived it should be kept, Mrs. Bindle toiled ceaselessly. It was her fetish. She worshipped it Chapel as a stepping-stone to post-mortem glory, but her home was the real altar at which she sacrificed. As she gazed at the rabble, as she mentally characterized it, littering the tiled path of the front garden, which only that morning she had cleaned, the rage of David entered her heart but she was a god-fearing woman who disliked violence until it was absolutely necessary was it you knocking she demanded of the big woman in the folded blouse her voice was sharp as the edge of a razor but restrained that's right my dear replied the woman comfortably i come about the ouse. oh you have have you cried mrs bindle and are these your friends her eyes for a moment left those of her antagonist and took in the queue which by now overflowed the path into the roadway look here i'll give you sixteen bob a week broke in the woman with the tweed cap and the hat-pin instantly rendering herself an ishmael "Ere none of that cried an angry female voice fair dues there was a murmur of approval from the others which was interrupted by mrs bindle's clear-cut incisive voice get out of my garden and be off the lot of you she cried taking a half step in the direction of the big woman to whom she addressed herself is it lat?" inquired the rag and bone man from the rear is what let demanded mrs bindle the house mum said the rag and bone man whose profession demanded tact and politeness this house is not to let was the angry retort never was to let and never will be to let till i'm gone now you just be off with you or she paused or what demanded she of the tweed cap and hat-pin desirous of rehabilitating herself with the others i'll send for a policeman was mrs bindle's rejoinder she still restrained her natural instincts in a vice-like self-control her hands shook slightly but not with fear it was the trembling of the tigress preparing to spring then what about this advert cried the man with the little girl extending the newspaper towards her yes what about it demanded the woman in the fullered blouse extending her paper in turn there's no advertisement about this house said mrs bindle ignoring the papers and you'd better go away pity you haven't got something better to do than come disturbing me in the midst of my ironing and with that she banged the door and disappeared a murmur of anger passed along the queue anger which portended trouble nice way to treat people said a little woman with a dirty face a dingy black bonnet and a velvet dolman to which portions of the original jet trimming still despairingly adhered some folks don't seem to know how to behave there was another murmur of agreement kick the blinkin' door in suggested a pacifist i'd like to get at her with my nails said a sharp-faced woman with a baby in her arms i know er sort deserves to have her stuttering windows smashed the stuck-up baggage cried another hullo look at all them people a big puffy man with a person that rendered his boots invisible guided the hand-cart he was pushing into the curb in front of number seven fenton street a pale dispirited lad was harnessed to the vehicle by a dilapidated piece of much knotted rope strung across his narrow chest as the barrow came to a standstill he allowed the rope to drop to the ground and stepping out of the harness he turned an apathetic and unspeculative eye towards the crowd the big man whose clothing consisted of a shirt a pair of trousers and some braces stood looking at the applicants for the altar of mrs bindle's life the crowd returned the stare with interest the furniture piled upon the barrow caused them some anxiety. Was that the explanation of the unfriendly reception accorded them? Now then, Charlie, when you've done a drinkin' in this bloomin' beauty show, you can give me a hand. Oh, are you callin' a beauty show? Demanded the woman in the dolman. You ain't got much to talk about with a stomach like yours. My mistake, Missus," said the big man imperturbably. Sorry I made you cry then turning to Charlie, he added if you hadn't such a thick head charley you'd know it was a sugar cue they're wearin' too much for a beauty show now then over the top my lad he indicated the railings with a nod the gateway was blocked with the leisurely movements of a fatalist Charlie moved his inconspicuous person towards the railings of number seven while the big man proceeded to untie the rope that bound a miscellaneous collection of household goods to the handcart an operation which entirely absorbed the attention of the queue you tuck it interrogated the rag-and-bone man don't you worry cocky said the big man as he lifted from the barrow a cane-bottomed chair through which somebody had evidently sat and placed it on the pavement once inside the guarding and the ouse is mine here get on with it Charlie," he admonished the lad who was standing by the curb as if reluctant to trespass with unexpressive face the boy turned and climbed the railings. That's old!' cried the man, thrusting into Charlie's unwilling hands a dilapidated saucepan. The boy tossed it on to the small flower-bed in the centre of the garden where Mrs. Bindle was endeavouring to cultivate geraniums from slips supplied by a fellow worshipper at the Alton Road Chapel. These geranium slips were the stars in the grey firmament of her life she tended them assiduously, and always kept a jug of water just inside the parlor window, with which to discourage investigating cats. It was she, too, that had planted the lobelia border. The queue seemed hypnotized by the overwhelming personality of the big man. With the fatalism of despair, they decided that the gods were against them, and that he really had achieved the success he claimed. They still lingered as if instinct told them that dramatic moments were pending i don't doubt but what i'll be very comfortable remarked the big man contentedly here catch old charlie he cried tossing the lad a colander possessed of more holes than the manufacturer had ever dreamed of charlie turned too late and the colander caught a geranium which alone among its fellows had shown a half-hearted tendency to bloom that particular flower was mrs bindle's ewe lamb ain't he a knockout cried the big man pausing for a moment to gaze at his offspring Don't take after his paw, and that's a fact, and he exposed three or four dark brown stumps of teeth. Perhaps you ain't his father, giggled a feminine voice at the end of the queue. The big man turned in the direction from which the voice had come, stared stolidly at an inoffensive little man, who had not guilty written all over him, then deliberately swinging around he lifted a small wicker clothes basket from the cart. "'Here, catch it, Charlie!' he cried, and without waiting to assure himself of Charlie's willingness or ability to do so, he pitched it over the railings. Charlie turned just in time to see the basket coming. He endeavored to avoid it, tripped over the colander, and sat down in the center of the geranium bed, carrying riot and desolation with him. "'Wart you, a? but Charlie was never to know how he appeared to his father at that moment observing that several heads were turned towards the front door the eyes of the big man had instinctively followed their direction it was what he saw there that had caused him to pause in describing his offspring standing very still her face deathly pale with no sign of her lips beyond a thin gray line stood mrs bindle her eyes fixed upon the geranium bed and the desolation reigning there her breath came in short jerks With an activity of which his previous movements had given no indication, Charlie climbed the railings to the comparative safety of the street. Mrs. Bindle turned her gaze upon the big man. "'Here, come along, let me get in!' he cried, pushing his way through the crowd, which showed no inclination for resistance. The little man who had first arrived was already well outside, talking to the woman with the tweed cap and hat-pin, while she of the follered blouse was edging down the path towards the gate none showed the least desire to protest against the big man's claim to the house by right of conquest and he passed on to his waterloo well, i've taken this house he cried as he approached the grim figure on the doorstep fifteen and a kick a week and cheap it half the price he added jovially here get on with it charlie he called out over his shoulder charlie however stood gazing at his parent with a greater show of interest than he had hitherto manifested he seemed instinctively to grasp the dramatic possibilities of the situation thought i'd bring the sticks with me missus said the man genially nothing like making sure in these days he stopped suddenly without a word mrs bindle had turned and disappeared into the house may as well pay a deposit he remarked thrusting a dirty hand into his trouser pocket he glanced over his shoulder and winked jocosely at the woman in the fullard blouse the next thing he knew was that drama with a capital d had taken a hand in the game the crowd drew its breath with almost a sob of surprised expectancy into Charlie's vacant eyes there came a look of interest and into the big man's mouth just as he turned his head there came something that was wet and tasted odiously of carbolic he staggered back his eyes bulging as mrs bindle armed with a large mop which she had taken the precaution to wet stood regarding him like an avenging fury her eyes blazed and her nostrils were distended like those of a frightened thoroughbred before the big man had time to splutter his protests she had swung round the mop and brought the handle down with a crack upon his bare bald head then once more swinging round to the business end of the mop she drew back a step and charged the mop got the big man just beneath the chin for a moment he stood on one leg his arms extended like the figure of mercury on the piccadilly circus fountain Mrs. Bindle gave another thrust to the mop, and down he went with a thud, his head coming with a sharp crack against the tiles of the path. The crowd murmured its delight. Charlie danced from one foot to the other, the expression on his face proving conclusively that the vacuous look with which he had arrived was merely a mask assumed for defensive purposes. "'Get up!' into these two words Mrs. Bindle precipitated an amount of feeling that thrilled the crowd the big man however lay prone his eyes fixed in fear upon the end of the mop get up repeated mrs bindle i'll teach you to come disturbing a respectable home look at my garden as he still made no attempt to move she turned suddenly and doubled along the passage reappearing a moment later with a pail of water with which she had been washing out the scullery without a moment's hesitation she emptied the contents over the recumbent figure of the big man the house-cloth fell across his eyes like a bandage and the hearthstone took him full on the nose whirr that one act of mrs bindle's had saved the entire annihilation of the faith of a child for the first time in his existence Charlie realized that there was a god of retribution murmurs of approval came from the crowd give it to him missus he done it shouted one it warn't the kid's fault blinkin un." dirty profiteer cried the thin woman look at his stomach she added as if in support of her words get up again mrs bindle's hard uninflected words sounded like the accents of destiny she accompanied her exhortation by a jab from the mop end of her weapon directed at the centre of that portion of the big man's anatomy which had been advanced as proof of his profiteering propensities he raised himself a few inches but mrs bindle with all the inconsistency of a woman dashed the mop once more in his face and down went his head again with a crack charlie he roared but there was nothing of the paladin about charlie between him and his father at that moment were eleven years of heavy-handed tyranny and charlie remained on the safety side of the railings get up you great hulking brute cried mrs bindle reversing the mop and getting in a stroke at his solar plexus which would have made her fame in pig sticking the fat man's exclamation was involuntary get up i tell you she reiterated you fat ugly son of satan you beelzebub you leper you judas you she paused a moment in her search for the undesirables from holy writ then with inspiration she added barabbas the man made another effort to rise but mrs bindle brought the end of the mop down upon his head with a crack that sounded like a pistol-shot the expression on Charlie's face changed the lower jaw lifted the loose vacuous mouth spread Charlie was grinning for a moment the man lay still mrs bindle was standing over him with the mop a tense and righteously indignant saint george over a particularly evil dragon suddenly he gave tongue help he yelled i'm being murdered help Charlie! where are you but Charlie's grin had expanded and he was actually rubbing his hands with enjoyment mrs bindle brought the mop down on the man's mouth stop it you blaspheming son of belial she cried the big man roared the louder but he made no effort to rise here comes a flatty cried a voice slops a-comin echoed another and a minute later a clean-shaven embodiment of youthful dignity and self-possession in a helmet and blue uniform approached and began to make his way through the crowd towards the bindle's gate from the position in which he lay the big man unable to see that assistance was at hand continued to roar for help at the approach of this symbol of the law mrs bindle stepped back and brought her mop to the stand-at-ease position the policeman looked from one to the other and then proceeded to ferret somewhere in the tails of his tunic whence he produced a notebook this was obviously a case requiring literary expression the big man seeing mrs bindle fall back turned his head and caught a glimpse of the policeman very cautiously he raised himself to a sitting posture she's been murdering me he said with one eye fixed warily upon the mop here charlie he cried looking over his left shoulder Charlie reluctantly approached regretful that law and order had triumphed over red revolution ain't she been trying to kill me demanded the big man of his offspring left him on the head with the handle corroborated the boy in a toneless voice poured water over me and it be in the stomach too didn't she Charlie? once more the big man turned to his son for corroboration got him a rearin', agreed Charlie, with a feeling in his voice that caused his father to look at him sharply "'Sloshed him on the jaw, too!' he added, as if finding pleasure in dwelling upon the sufferings of his parent. "'Do you wish to charge her?' asked the policeman in an official voice. "'Charge me!' broke in Mrs. Bindle. "'Charge me! I should like to see him do it! See what he's done to my geraniums, bringing his filthy sticks into my front garden! Charge me!' she repeated. "'Just let him try it! And she brought the mop to a position from which it could be launched at the big man's head instinctively he sank down again on to the path and the policeman interposed his body between the weapon and the vanquished there's plenty of witnesses here to prove what he done cried mrs bindle shrilly once more the big man raised himself to a sitting posture but mrs bindle had no intention of allowing him to control the situation to her a policeman meant justice and to this self-possessed lad in the uniform of unlimited authority she opened her heart and at the same time the vials of her wrath ere i was ironing in my kitchen when this rebel she indicated the crowd with the handle of the mop descended upon me like the plague of locusts to mrs bindle scriptural allusion was a necessity they said they wanted to take my ouse said i'd told him it was to be let the perjured scum of judas then he came along she pointed to her victim who was gingerly feeling the bump that mrs bindle's mop had raised and threw all that dirty lumber into my garden and and here her voice broke for to mrs bindle those geranium slips were very dear you'd better get up at the policeman's words the big man rose heavily to his feet for a moment he stood still as if to make quite sure that no bones were broken then his hand went to his neckcloth and he produced a piece of hearthstone which had apparently become detached from the parent slab throw bricks at me he complained holding out the piece of hearthstone to the policeman ananias came mrs bindle's uncompromising retort do you want to charge her asked the policeman brusquely "'Serves him jolly well right!' cried the woman with the tweed cap and hat-pin, pushing her way in front of a big man who obstructed her view. Oughter be run in hisself!' agreed a pallid woman, with a shawl over her head. "'Look what he done to her guarding!' mumbled the rag and bone man, pointing at the flower-bed with the air of one who has just made an important discovery. "'It's the likes of him what makes strikes!' commented the woman in the dolman. "Blinkin' profiteer!' she's got pluck anyhow said a telephone mechanic who had joined the crowd just before charlie's father had bent before the wind of mrs bindle's displeasure knocked him out in the first round regular george carpenter he added you get them things out of my garden if you don't i'll give you in charge the big man blinked a puzzled expression creeping into his eyes he looked at the policeman uncomprehendingly this was an aspect of the case that had not hitherto struck him Are they your things asked the policeman intent upon disentangling the situation before proceeding to use the pencil the point of which he was meditatively sucking charlie's father nodded he was still thinking over mrs bindle's remark it seemed to open up disconcerting possibilities now then what are you going to do demanded the policeman sternly do you wish to make a charge i will said mrs bindle unless he takes his furniture away and pays for the damage to my flowers i'll charge him the great oaken brute attacking a defenceless woman because he knows her husband's out that's right missus you have him quartered. called out the rag and bone man he didn't ought to have done that to your guarding Train to swank us he'd taken the house cried the woman with the tweed cap and hat-pin i see through him from the first i did there ain't many men what can throw dust in my eyes she added looking eagerly round for a dissenting look ullo ullo cried a voice from the outskirts of the crowd somebody giving something away or is it a fire here let me pass i'm the cove What pays the rent said bindle pushing his genial way through the crowd they made way without protest the advent of the newcomer suggested further dramatic developments possibly even a fight ullo tickborn cried bindle catching sight of the big man been scrappin The three protagonists in the drama turned as if with relief to face this new phase of the situation o's e?" inquired bindle of the policeman indicating the big man with a jerk of his thumb he's been trying to murder me and if you were a man joe bindle you'd kill him bindle subjected the big man to an elaborate scrutiny looks to me he remarked dryly as if someone's got in before me what's happened he looked interrogatingly up at the policeman Oh, orus he cried suddenly as he caught sight of the miscellaneous collection of furniture that lay about the geranium bed what's that little pawn-shop a-doin on our front garden with the aid of the ragged bone man and the woman with the tweed cap and hat-pin the whole situation was explained and expounded to both bindle and the policeman when he had heard everything bindle turned to the big man who stood sulkily awaiting events now look ere collie he said you don't oughter start doing them sort of things with a figure like yours when mrs b gets old of a broom or a mop the safest thing to do is to draw in your solar plexus and run it hurts less now speaking as a christian to a bloomin eathen what's done himself pretty well judging from the size of his pinafore you'd better send for the coachman harness up that there dray o' yours carry off them bits of sticks and let bygones be bygones ain't that good advice he turned to the policeman for corroboration there was a flicker of a smile at the corners of the policeman's mouth which seemed not so very many years before to have been lisping baby-language he looked at the big man it was not for him to advise charley blarst you cried the big man pushing his way to the gate he had decided that the dice had gone against him get them things onto the blinkin burr you stuttering young pup what the purple here that's enough of that said a quiet determined voice and the soft lines of the policeman's face hardened what you want to say it was to let for he grumbled as he loped towards the hand-cart here have i come of all these things to take the blinkin ouse then there's all this ruddy fuss or are you going to get over into that blinkin garden and fetch out them stutterin things or must i chuck you over The last remark was addressed to Charlie, who, with a wary eye on his parent, had been watching events, hoping against hope that the policeman would manifest signs of aggression, and carry on the good work that Mrs. Bindle had begun. Charlie glanced interrogatingly at the policeman. Seeing in his eye no encouragement to mutiny, he sidled towards the gate, a watchful eye still on his father. A moment later he was engaged in handing the furniture over the railings after the man had deposited the colander a tin bath and two saucepans in the barrow he seemed suddenly smitten with an idea he tugged a soiled newspaper from his trouser pocket glancing at it he walked over to where the policeman was engaged in moving on the crowd read that he said thrusting the paper under the officer's nose and pointing to a passage with a dirty forefinger don't that say that the blinkin ouse is to let you ought runner run in for faults he paused for faults he repeated with a motion of his hand the policeman brushed aside the newspaper move along there please don't block up the footpath he said at length the barrow was laden the policeman stood by with the air of a man whose duty it is to see the thing through the crowd still loitered they had even yet hopes of a breach of the peace the big man was reluctant to go without a final effort to rehabilitate himself once more he drew the paper from his pocket, and approached the policeman. What she put that in for?' he demanded, indicating the advertisement. Ignoring the remark, the policeman drew his notebook once more from his pocket. "'I shall want your name and address,' he said with an official air. What yer want it for?' "'Now then, come along,' said the policeman, and the big man gave his name and address. What she do it for?' he repeated. "'And what's going to happen to her for itin' me in the stomach?' you'd better get along said the policeman with a grumble in his throat the big man placed himself between the shafts of the barrow and having blasted Charlie into action moved off made a rare mess of the guarding, ain't he remarked the rag and bone man to the woman with the tweed cap and the hat pin blinkin profiteer was her comment two it's all your fault look what they've done mrs bindle surveyed the desolation which that morning had been a garden the bed was trodden down the geraniums broken and the lobelia border showed big gaps in its blue and greenness it's always the same with anything i ave she continued you always spoil it but it wasn't me protested bindle it was that big cove with the pinafore who put that advertisement in demanded mrs bindle darkly that's what i should like to know somebody would a put the wrong number suggested bindle. I'd wrong number them if I caught them suddenly she turned and made a bolt inside the house. Bindle regarded the open door in surprise a moment later, his quick ears caught the sound of Mrs. Bindle's hysterical sobbing. Now ain't that jest like a woman was his comment. She put him to sleep in the first round, and still she ain't appy funny things, women he added that evening as mrs bindle closed the front door behind her on the way to the wednesday temperance service she turned her face to the garden it had been in her mind all day she blinked incredulously the lobelia seemed bluer than ever and within the circular border was a veritable riot of flowering geraniums it's that bindle again she muttered with indrawn lips as she turned towards the gate pity he hasn't got something better to do with his money nevertheless she placed upon the supper-table an apple tart that had been made for to-morrow's dinner to which she added a cup of coffee of which bindle was particularly fond End of chapter six read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark blogspot dot com